BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The ghost is there. Like nobody wanted them as living. Now they're just living their life. And now somebody in this new home is like, you know what? I need you to leave. And you're like, no one wants me. Even when I'm dead, no one wants me. For fuck's sake, I can't. Like, that sucks. It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for, but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? Hello, my beautiful ladies, gays, bays, besties. Welcome to a brand new almost adulting podcast your number one mental health podcast and with me your host your best friend your cat your sister your brother your mother your father your everything and therapist violet benson today's episode is super fun it's basically we have someone from ghost hunters on and we kind of just get to dive in into that profession talking about ghosts and things like that and even if you're not into that trust me you're gonna love this episode because it's just so light and funny and you're gonna enjoy it on your ride to work or on your ride to breaking up with your boyfriend or while you're stalking your ex outside their house. Whatever it is you're gonna do, you're gonna love this episode. Before we get started, I did uh, want to make two announcements. Well, three. Number one, don't forget about my confession corner episodes that I want to start bringing uh, into this podcast, which will be twice a month every other Tuesday and they'll be all about you guys where you guys will call in and give me your wildest confessions and you know it can be completely anonymous or you can ask for a shout out and you'll get that too it can be like I keyed my ex's car and he never found out or you have a confession that you miss your best friend and you you know she listens to this podcast and you wish Brittany will give you a call you regret the way you the falling out that you had just things like that whatever it is I will leave the number in the description of this episode so you will be able to call that number and leave your confession. Number two is I want to start doing more of a Q&A every single week. Basically, if you have any questions about you need dating advice, relationship advice, work advice, whatever it is, every Thursday night after you listen to this episode, 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern time, I have my second podcast, Hey Besties, on Spotify. If you download the app, Spotify Live, you are able to log in to my show, Hey Besties, at 7 p.m., and you're able to, to ask me the questions on the phone. So then I can give you your advice live. If you're not able to make it at that time, the episode airs a few days later. So if you guys want to today... Go ahead and DM me some advice that you want and I'll hopefully be able to answer it on the episode tonight when I'm recording it live. But hopefully I'll get to see you tonight and I want to start doing that every week because you guys DM me so many questions all the time and I'm not able to get all of them. So I feel like it's a way where it can be more personal and I get to interact with you guys more. Okay, the other thing I want to say is that I decided recently to get back into therapy. And I think a lot of times, uh, A, we look at therapy as something that you either do for the rest of your life or 
you never do it or you only go into therapy when something really bad is happening but we don't think about the fact that sometimes therapy is good to just talk so i'm very on and off with my therapist sometimes i go a year without having the time or feeling like i need therapy and then sometimes i go back when i just need someone to talk to you shouldn't get back into therapy when you're doing really bad the whole point of getting into therapy is when you're catching yourself right before you feel like you're going to spiral and do really bad so i happen to be a person that's a control freak and i've been able to handle my controlling ways by finding other things in my life that help me with this problem because i know i can't pretend i don't like to be in control i'll be lying to myself and i'll be doing myself a disservice so whatever issues quote-unquote issues you think you have or characteristics of your personality instead of trying to mask it or pretend it's not there and it's going to make you more unhappy you got to find ways to cope with it so me being a control freak and being unable to control most of everything around me (laughs) is you know it's difficult it's hard but the it's the way i've been able to cope with it is i've been able to figure out ways that things that i do have control over which is control how i react to things control over my emotions and most of all that's why i love cleaning so control over my house because i have control over how clean i keep my home and clean helps me with my anxiety with my stress so whenever i feel like i'm losing control i just start cleaning because then i'm like at least i have control of how pretty my house looks and at least i have control of how organized everything is and when i organize my house is how i feel my life is organized but recently cleaning my house wasn't enough when i stopped being able to control you know the cleanliness of my house because it didn't feel enough i suddenly started to lose control of my emotions and when i started losing control of my emotions it digressed to then me also losing control of how i react and the more i lost control the more i reacted even more poorly and the more i started spiraling and as you know cult month was really insane for me and my whole team we were very stressed out because of all the pre-interviews we had to do all the editing that went into the um the episodes and you know it was just a very different type of month and i started to get very negative because i felt like no matter what me and my team were doing it just wasn't good enough i was just focusing on the negative instead and nothing was good enough and i started projecting my anxiety and my negativity onto my own team which you know god bless them none of them complained to me none of them said anything to me they just kept trying to make me happy but no matter what they were doing i just wasn't happy with them or with myself and i kept noticing all these mistakes and the more mistakes i was noticing the more mistakes we were all making and that's because when you keep knocking people down including yourself (laughs) that is not how you encourage people so that's why i think one day I suddenly was just completely spiraling. I was able, luckily, to take a step back and to realize like, whoa, I am really just losing it. Where is the problem coming from? Is it everyone else around me or am I actually the problem? And the reason I'm also sharing this is because I am one of the top mental health podcasts, but that doesn't mean that I don't have moments where I don't act the way I preach. But what's important here is not to guilt yourself and make yourself feel like shit when you're not behaving the way you thought you should be behaving i feel like where you should give yourself credit is if you're able to notice when you start acting in ways that you felt like you've outgrown or you worked on and you're able to take a step back and fix it and that's why i'm sharing this it comes from deeper issues 
And that's when I dived in and I realized this had more to do with my control issues and feeling like I need to be in control of something. Thank God I was able to take a step back and I said, you know what? I think I need to get into therapy. I need to I need to stop keeping everything to myself and I need to stop getting so negative and having so much anxiety over my work because it's making me then not enjoy being creative. It's making me not enjoy producing these episodes and it's taking away from the reason I even started this. I can't help other people if I'm not helping myself. And oh my gosh, my first session with my therapist, it was such a relief. It was a relief because not only was I able to see that it had more to do with my control issues and I had to redirect what I can actually control, which is myself. I can't control other people, but I can control myself, how I react and my boundaries. That's another thing. And my therapist was also able to help me see that I'm also not always a problem. Because I always think I blame myself for everything, which makes my life even harder because I just always think it's me that needs to fix everything. And it was really cool. I got to discover that sometimes my boundaries are being crossed and I don't even notice those things. So it was interesting sometimes to say that like maybe there's not something wrong with me. I'm just reacting this way because of my boundaries or I'm reacting this way because something else. I don't know. Overall, it was such a relief to talk to someone. And the reason the therapist can sometimes be so helpful in these ways is that Not only do they listen, but they give you good advice and it's very unbiased. And when you seek this advice from friends or from coworkers or anything else in your life, a lot of times those other people will be projecting their own experiences or their own insecurities or their own thoughts in whatever going on in their life. So a lot of times you will not fully get to see the full picture of what's going on a therapist is helpful because they help you really dissect things and you know i'm really into dissecting things so anyway i just wanted to say thank god when i after therapy instead of noticing all the negative things around me i started appreciating the small things again i started paying more attention to the the good things happening in my life and those small little things started to add up and then out of nowhere boom dating starts happening for me again suddenly i notice i'm literally one of the top 20 mental health podcasts and i'm like holy shit why did i never check that why am i so negative or when i start to notice you know i'm enjoying being around people again i'm sleeping better i'm eating better i'm smiling more it's just so crazy how small things make the biggest difference so when you start changing little things that you were negative about more positive things come into your life and vice versa. If this thing is making you unhappy, then suddenly this thing looks like a bigger deal. Then suddenly this thing looks like a bigger deal. And now everything's falling apart. Now you hate everything and there's nothing good in your life versus you fix it up, you change it and you're like, okay, my cat spent five minutes with me today. Usually my cat hates me or like I got out of bed today. I showered. I got to talk to my mom today or my best friend called me or the stranger smiled at me in the street and it made me feel better. Oh, hell yeah, I found parking today. I never find parking in this area. The point is, take care of your mental health because you can't help others if you're not helping yourself. And taking care of your mental health and yourself is a lifelong journey. Even people who preach mental health sometimes are going to have their own issues because no one's perfect, we're all humans. But it's important to be understanding of other people and understanding of yourself. And it's important to also not expect other people to fix themselves to suit you 
or expect other people to always understand what's going on with you you don't have control over that what you do have control is over yourself but uh yeah i went to therapy and i feel better and i feel happier and i even went on like a couple of dates this weekend like super randomly i was just like fuck it with two different guys are there my husbands no i don't even know if i like men anymore but we're gonna stop it here <laughs> you're like v finally you're getting to an interesting part are you joking no i'm not so this is where we're gonna cut it and anyway i hope you really enjoyed today's episode and i hope you find a reason to smile and hopefully i'll come tonight 7 p.m pacific time 10 p.m eastern time on hey besties on spotify live and ask me whatever you want if you need advice you're dying to talk to me about something ask me i'll see you tonight love you enjoy Hey besties and welcome to a brand new episode of Almost Adulting with me, your host and your best friend, Viola Benson. Okay, so today we are joined by paranormal pioneer and main cast member of the hit series Ghost Hunters, Steve Gonzalves. Steve has over 20 years of experience, has been an integral part of numerous successful paranormal shows and bringing paranormal activity to the forefront of the world. Um, so I'm so excited and honored to have you here with me today and I'm so ready to get into this and I just saw, you know, November is a dark month. It's November, by the way, is research shows that November has the most serial killers born on this month. <laughs> oh, that's you know uh, that? no, I didn't. That's, that's a great fact yeah. to, to know uh, coming in close to the end of the year. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> I like where this is going. <laughs> so I gave my listeners a brief little background about you, but do you mind taking us kind of back to the very beginning of your paranormal investigation, how all of it started? Sure. Uh, I was always interested. It, it kind of scared me a little bit when I was uh, really young. And uh, I want to say around maybe 10 or 11, I started reading a lot of uh, books uh, about the subject um, from, you know, Hans Holzer and uh, uh, Lloyd Auerbach, different uh, investigators of you know, uh, that uh, I would follow, even Ed and Lorraine Warren, I would read some of their stuff. I was really interested in the how-to and the mechanics behind it, more so than the ghost stories. But uh, I would say by uh, 15 or so, started really digging in and, and getting uh, really involved. And then uh, I worked with uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren uh, briefly on a few cases, uh, joined a, a local team, uh, and then I, I started my own paranormal research team and joined forces with uh, Jason, who you see now uh, on the show Ghost Hunters, the Atlantic Paranormal Society. Obviously, he's uh, the spearhead of, of all that, but uh, it was really uh, cool to uh, join forces, and, and that was in you know, the 90s, and then in 2004, we uh, got the, uh, the show there. So... Before we get started, the million dollar question, are ghosts real? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Uh, personally, I, I do think so. Um, I, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't know that with my own eyes, I've seen that quintessential, you know, glowing figure that everybody thinks of as a ghost. But I've seen plenty of phenomena that you cannot explain and even humanoid shapes and figures that I would interpret as a ghost. So I do, I do believe um, that they do exist. And uh, yeah, we're still after them. <laughs> 
I mean, imagine if you're like, no, the interview would be over. I'd be like, well, <laughs> that answers it. Thank you for yeah. coming on. Ghosts are not real. Forget <laughs> it. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, there's definitely something uh, going on out there. So what would you say your first experience of paranormal activity was? When I was really, really young, uh, I was um, part of an experience. It wasn't my own. I didn't even really understand it but i remember being on my friend's floor playing with uh, a light bright do you remember what a light bright is uh, they still have them now but when i was younger they were really popular i just remember uh, my friend started crying her name was was jamie and i didn't quite understand it and i would, was hearing these noises and it was weird and then i remember her parents coming in the room picking her up and, and saying, Jamie has to go into bed now, you should call your parents uh, to come pick you up, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, I didn't quite understand it. That's when I remember seeing these little pegs getting like flung against the wall. And I still didn't quite understand it. And it wasn't until we were teenagers um, that she you know, said to me, hey, do you remember what was happening at my house? Once she knew that I was in all uh, in this world, and uh, I said, yeah, and she said that was happening my whole life, and you know, it was really scary for me. So I think that was my first paranormal experience, even though it wasn't my own, but that's the first time I remember being around something kind of scary that I didn't understand. So what was it for her? It, was it just the house had the paranormal activities, or it was something that she just, anywhere she goes, she would experience that? I think it was just the house because I did talk to her later, 15, 16. She actually passed away, uh, sadly, uh, a car accident when we were quite young, 17, I think, or, or 16 or 17. Um, yeah, she was very, very young, very sad. Yeah, later, later in life, uh, she didn't have those experiences. So it was either something attached to her, something she owned, or something in the house, something that either decided to stop uh, bothering with her or maybe she got rid of the item it was attached to or moved out of the house I'm not sure or maybe it was attached to her and at 17 she was done with it or it did something because that's a really young very 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 young to be leaving this world for sure yeah very young too young obviously but maybe I watch too many uh horror movies before I go to bed so I'm just, but that would be the correlation in my brain where I would go with this. After that, did you, when would you say then your first, your own experience happened? My very first, uh, I, I don't like to repeat this story because it's not something that people should do. And I don't want younger folks doing this, but uh, I was in a, a graveyard, you know, just uh, by myself. I, I uh, was following a page out of Ed Warren's book where he would sit in a graveyard and in a lawn chair, you know, all night long and wait for an encounter. And because he knew he saw something one night and I was doing that, you know, just sort of as the, the those who came before me were doing. And uh, sure enough, uh, uh, I felt something grabbing at me, at my legs and, and at my, my sort of waist, and uh, I just got up and, and got out of there. I don't know what it was. I really don't. Uh, it was quite fascinating and, and uh, scary at first, startling, you know. Uh, but then once I was, you know, getting home, I remember thinking, like, I, I should have stuck around and tried to figure out what that was. But I was being silly, you know, in a place I shouldn't be, and, and I was young and, and alone. Uh, just, uh, yeah, but that was, a. I think the first time I encountered something that I couldn't explain that was of my own. 
how did you express uh, what you witnessed other people or did you just kind of keep that to yourself? I kept that to myself for, for a while um, just because you, especially back then, uh, you know, we're, we're talking in the, the early 90s maybe. So uh, it wasn't like it is now where it's very accepted and people talk about it all the time. If people knew you were into the paranormal, you were kind of, you know, goofed on, to be honest with you. And, and uh, even when we first had the idea of doing a, a television show, or not our idea, but when people approached us with the idea of doing a television show, one of the reasons we, we turned it down a few times is that we uh, we couldn't bring people to, you know, we couldn't bring a camera crew to people's houses because nobody wanted anybody to know their house was haunted. You know, they were the weirdos on the block. They were treated differently. They were, you know, um, but nowadays you're kind of the, the cool person in the neighborhood if your house is haunted. Everybody wants to come by and, and look inside. Um, so back then it was a bit different. So I didn't talk about it much, honestly. It wasn't until I hit, you know, my later teenage years and, and I could express it in a way that made sense to others that I started really talking about it. When I was a child, I was really into things like that. So I continuously would just, if my parents just looked away for two seconds, I would go on my own and do something. And a lot of times I would break into, on my own at like six years old, break into abandoned homes looking for ghosts. And I used to think I was hearing things, but now I feel like it was crackheads or something. There were these abandoned <laughs> homes and I didn't realize it, you know, and thank God I'm okay. Yeah, especially if you're alone, you could have been assaulted or jumped or something. Little girl, not even as a woman, oh, as a gosh. little girl. I was just like, where are the ghosts? Until one day I was going back to my own, to my building and I still have this weird memory of it. That was my first time of interaction with something that I couldn't explain because I just kept looking for it. And I swear to God, something happened that was like, okay, you keep looking for it. We're going to show you something. And I was walking back to my uh, apartment building. I, I, I grew up in Israel. I was walking back to my apartment building and I was holding uh, these things I was collecting. I forget if it was like magazine pictures or stickers, whatever it was. And as I was walking to the uh, um, middle area of like the entrance, I could like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like the, the temperature change or something. Suddenly I was like cold and I, I just, I stopped, like I froze because I felt like there was something weird. And then suddenly it's something from the corner. There was like in a corner, something dark. And I just heard, and I looked over there and I could feel like there was something there and I wanted to move, but I felt frozen. And then I just heard Violetta, Violetta which is my full name. And I, and I just felt it so strongly that I dropped all my stickers that it took me months to collect. And I, I kept looking at it and I tried to collect it. And I remember I only grabbed like a few and then I ran into my apartment. Is it real or not? I have no idea. Cause you know, as a child, your mind is so, you just imagine so many things, but I felt it. It felt real. I thought it was. I, 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 to this day, I have no idea why that happened. But that was one of a really strange experience. Yeah. I mean, if you hear your name being called out and you know there's nobody else there, certainly not somebody who would know who you are. That's got to be quite, <laughs> quite unsettling. And, and that sort of mimicry where, you know, something uh, knows you or, or is portraying parts of your life 
that you would be familiar with, such as your name, uh, is, is, you know, quite an intense experience. I never visited a crack home again <laughs> after that. Never broke into abandoned homes after that. I just kept to myself because I was so mortified as a child from that. You do have to be careful. You know, there are squatters. There are people, you know, we do our best to make sure that our locations are on lockdown. People can't get in. Now we have, you know, security that makes sure people don't. Um, but, you know, there have been times when, uh, Jay and I uh, have been, you know, chased with pipes and, and had people swing frying pans at us. We've had people with guns, you know. We've had one woman tell us there was a gun behind her door and she wouldn't be afraid to use it because she didn't remember inviting us to her house. <laughs> and sure enough, there's a gun behind her door, you know, so we, we got out of there. But you really do have to be careful. A lot of paranormal researchers will tell you that. Uh, it's the living that you have to fear way more than <laughs> uh, than the ghosts and, and the dead. Uh, so don't do that anymore. Don't break into old abandoned. That was so many years ago. That was over 20 years ago. I won't do it again. But that that is, I, I really like that saying. That is really true. You should fear the living way more than you should fear the dead. I, I agree with that. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Would you say there's a difference between paranormal researchers and seekers and what you do versus people that quote unquote see ghosts or see supernatural things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a, a, a spiritual side of investigating and I don't mean spiritual in a religious sense, but just connecting one person to a spiritual realm, you know, and that's like the psychic investigators and mediums. And I don't have any of those gifts or, or, or any of those abilities. Um, so for me, uh, that is a separate uh, type of investigation where I rely more on uh, what's tangible and, and physical here in the environment. Uh, so there is a, a difference for sure. Um, not that either one is, is better than the other. It's just I, I don't have any of those sensibilities. So uh, that is a, a, a different type of investigation. And they can even work together. There are times when we work with psychics or mediums or that a psychic or a medium calls us in to help corroborate you know, what they are experiencing with evidence. And it, not science. Obviously, we're not scientists, but we try to follow scientific methods, you know, which uh, will make our evidence a little stronger. So that's uh, how they can sort of work together there. But there is a difference. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's even a difference between being a paranormal investigator and a ghost hunter. You know, those are, are different terms as well. So uh, there are a lot of different terms and nuances, but it's all under the, the same umbrella of the unexplained and the paranormal. What's the difference between those two, paranormal investigator and a ghost hunter? Well, a, a ghost hunter, you know, when... We were first, um, you know, talking about uh, doing a show and that sort of thing. We fought that name a little bit uh, just because, you know, in the days that we came up investigating the paranormal, uh, ghost hunters were sort of the people who were just focused on ghosts and, and that's it. You know, they were going and we had a bit of a problem with that term because we're not hunting anything, quite honestly. You know, we're not, there's no way to, uh, you know, that would be, you know, a ghost hunter very much just focused on that. Uh, where a paranormal investigator, uh, you know, you're looking into everything, UFO phenomena, uh, you're looking into even a cryptozoology, if you're into that. Um, of course, the ghostly phenomena is under that as well. Uh, even uh, exorcisms, that sort of thing, you know, paranormal investigator is an all, you know, more of an umbrella term, where if you're a ghost hunter, 
uh, you're pretty much specifically just looking for ghosts. Got it. What is the difference between a ghost and a spirit? Oh, that's a good question. Um, not much, to be honest with you. <laughs> a spirit is like, you know, has more of a religious connotation, even though nowadays they're sort of intermixed. But, you know, you would think of a spirit being a little more in the realm of a religious type where, uh, you know, a ghost could fall outside of the religious arena there. Um, but it's an umbrella term. You know, we, we will use them interchangeably, spirit, ghost, that sort of thing. Now, uh, there is a difference between a ghost and an apparition, uh, and that would be the identity. For instance, it's, you know, an apparition if you don't know who you're dealing with, uh, but it's a ghost if you know the identity. You know, for instance, the ghost of Abraham Lincoln, that sort of thing. It's not uh, the apparition of Abraham Lincoln. So there are some minute uh, differences within the terminology, but, but you know, it's all, some, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's all used for the same purposes, and, and so not that big of a deal. So let's say you go into a home, and you guys can trace that there is paranormal activity. Um, would you be able to then tell if it's a bad spirit or ghost or anything like that, or a good one? Because, you know, I think if sometimes even if you had some good paranormal, like if it's a good ghost or a good spirit, I say like, you know, let it say. Like whenever I think there's ghosts in my house, they're just like hiding my stuff just to be silly and play games with you. I'm like, whatever, you know, not a big deal. Enjoy your, your life. I don't care. But so is there a difference for you guys to be able to tell the differences? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There, if you're dealing with a, a negative type of haunting where you think of, uh, an energy that is dark, or some may call them demons, that sort of thing. Uh, there are some some telltale signs. You know, we uh, you're dealing with smells that don't make sense, like sulfur and, and uh, feces. Yep, that that sort of thing. There's usually a, a an increase in activity with a crescendo, and then it usually goes dormant for a little while. Uh, there are feelings of uh, uh, pardon a crescendo where it will you know, reach its highest peak and then sort of slow down a little bit. So the crescendo would be the highest point where the activity is at its peak and then it'll go down a little bit and then go dormant for a while. Um, so you see some patterns there when it comes to that side of things. But um, in terms of a human style haunting, you can have both positive and negative interactions, even if it's not a demon or something really, really dark. Uh, we find evidence that the paranormal world in terms of ghosts and if there is that human essence still there, that uh, they are much like they are in a death as they were in life. You know, if you're dealing with, with a, a, a gentleman or a lady who was not a very nice person and they were quite sour when they were alive, they might still be, or their energy that's here anyway in the physical world may still be a bit sour, you know, and may do things that are aggravating, that are scary, that seem intimidating. Um, but if they were kind, gentle people, loving, caring, you know, devoted to, uh, you know, humanity or that sort of thing, uh, then they, they usually are quite nice in, in when you're dealing with them. And, you know, in, in terms of letting them stay, um, you also have to think that they were likely there before you, you know, and, and uh, they'll likely still be there long after you. And, and if you fall in love with the place that you're at in life and, and, you know, geographically speaking, you may be there as well, you know, once you pass. So to get them to leave, sure, there are ways to coax and maybe, um, but who's to say that they should move on? You know, it, it could be theirs.
As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, I read somewhere, I forget where, a long time ago, that the reason if someone sticks around, it's either for two reasons. Either they have unfinished business or they don't know that they're gone. So they're still walking around on this earth feeling confused because they have no idea what happened to them until they're ready to pass on. Obviously, these are all things that you can't prove or say yes or no, but those are the two things that I've read in the past. I think, quite honestly, there are a lot of things that can work as a catalyst for paranormal phenomena, and the two things you just mentioned, I think, could certainly be one of them. I don't think they're the only ways. Uh, sadly, yeah, in, in this field, uh, there are no facts. You know, there really aren't. And, and if anybody says that what they're saying, myself included, is a fact, um, it, it's just not true. But, you know, it's all speculation and theory based on patterns and that sort of thing. So those can be two things as well. I do find in our cases and, and most investigators that investigate, you know, with our sort of methods, uh, that other things that can spark that sort of phenomena uh, would be strong emotions, you know, in either direction, uh, tragedy, trauma, uh, you know, anger, extreme over a long period of time, uh, or even devotion, you know, love, uh, a caringness, a longingness uh, for somebody or something, uh, you know, that could also cause a haunting. It doesn't always have to be centered around uh, death or, or something negative. Sometimes if you're really devoted to somebody or something or a place, there's a chance maybe your energy may still be there or maybe you decide to come back. Who knows? If you come into a home and you realize that there's something very negative happening there based on the sense, the scent and everything else, are you guys then able to uh, remove it or is that when you then have to call in a exorcist? Sure. Or, which, by the way, please feel free to correct me with any terms that I use because I want to use the correct terminology. So. Thank you. That's very gracious. Um, you're, you're, you're doing fine. Uh, you're right on, on the money. Um, because you would call somebody, maybe not, you may not jump straight to somebody who can perform an exorcism because... Uh, it might not be necessary, but those people, that is certainly somebody who you can call upon and don't be fooled. The, the church, Catholic, Christian, they will find somebody for you that can do that. Uh, we know a few people who actually are exorcists and um, they do uh, go around and train and teach clergy members and different Catholic, you know, pre how to do exorcisms, you know, and they work directly for the Vatican, hired by the Vatican, you know, so that is, or, uh, you know, that does happen, but I don't think you would jump straight to that. That's a very extreme uh, case and, and quite rare. Uh, most people who are really into the demonology and who really study that and investigate it will tell you that it's quite rare. Maybe once every 10 years, you'll have a legitimate type of demonic haunting um but to get it to move yeah it can it can happen you can definitely have ways to help things move on if you're dealing with a human type of haunting uh, you may be able to find you know an item that it's attached to and you can systematically remove that item from your home and, until the phenomena goes away uh, that sort of thing so there are ways you can even 
you know, verbalize out loud and, and let it know that you're uncomfortable with what it's doing. And, and a lot of times we'll see if you do that for a week or so that the, the activity may sort of die down and even go dormant. Uh, so there are a lot of different ways. I feel so bad for that ghost. The ghost is there. Like nobody wanted them as living. Now they're just living their life. And now somebody in this new home is like, you know what? I need you to leave. And you're like, no one wants me. Even when I'm dead, no one wants me. Even For fuck's sake, death. I can't. Like, that sucks. I know. That's, that's a terrible <laughs> thing. They want me out of here now. Like, gosh. But hopefully there's some understanding there. <laughs> I would understand, but that's just me. For someone out there that may be skeptical by this conversation or in general, but what you do or the paranormal world, do you have some irrefutable type of evidence that these things do indeed exist that no one can deny? No, uh, actually, I don't think any evidence exists. That well, thank you so is, much. For- <laughs> right, well, well, when it comes to... I guess we're done. <laughs> but, you know, quite honestly, there is no piece of evidence that exists that you can put in front of uh, somebody and say, this is definitive proof. There are things that I think are definitive. You know, we have thermal footage uh, that... You know, I've caught myself, I've filmed it, and I know that it's not me. I know that it's not the person I'm with. So what is it? You know, I've seen it. So, uh, but if you present that to a skeptic, a skeptic is somebody, you know, by design doesn't believe. And being a skeptic, they actually have an agenda and they don't want other people to believe either. And they hold on to that ideology and they fight for it. Um, so it's very difficult, but I think that's important uh, because it keeps us sharp. You know, it keeps us wanting to present the most factual evidence that we can. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't care if people believe or not. It's, it's not my sort of goal or mission. Um, I, I would like them to be open enough because it's a it's a really fun world, you know, and, and quite a lot of interesting things happen. Uh, but I think having skeptics is very healthy. I, I really do. You, you shouldn't just go, oh, you know, this you know, fiery face came out of the door. You shouldn't just believe that. You should, you know, raise an eyebrow to that sort of thing. Um, but it does exist. I've seen it, you know, and, and evidence. I think thermal evidence is the most irrefutable that we do have because in the, the eyes of science, it's there or it isn't. And if you implement the right safeguards to make sure it's not your own thermal reflection, to make sure it's not, you know, different things, reflective surfaces, um, then it's quite compelling. And I think for skeptics, it would be the, the type of evidence that they really have a hard time dismissing. Yeah, and I've seen them use that specific equipment even in all the, the movies. So all the movies, they try to use as much proper um, equipment as they can. And that one is one of the main things, usually when you're like, oh my God, there's movement there because the thermal goes up. Yep, that's that's right. Yep, just like the Predator, uh, that vision, that uh, you know thermal imaging, it's the same, same thing, reads the hot and cold, absolutely. There's a ton of equipment that goes into these investigations i've seen that uh do you mind explain to me like i'm five can you break it down to those who have no clue how the stuff works sure absolutely i'll try to be concise so it doesn't because it can be really boring for people who you know uh, but i'll try to make it uh, uh as uh yes well uh, a lot of the, the the equipment that we use uh, i'll just go with the basics that people are likely seeing all the time of course uh digital recorders, audio recorders, any type of recording device, because there's a phenomenon that we call electronic voice phenomena, where we do capture voices and sounds that weren't there in the environment when we were there. They're just coming through 
electronically. Uh, does that mean it's a ghost? Perhaps not. It's phenomena for sure, interesting, unexplained, because why? Uh, but it becomes kind of paranormal when they start answering questions that you're asking, you know. Um, so that is something that we uh, do use. Uh, you'll see us uh, a lot of times with the meters that we walk around with and they can light up or just stay, you know, with a, a digital reading. That's our uh, EMF gauge, electromagnetic field. And uh, the earth has, everything has static on it. This water bottle has a static surrounding it, everything. And so there's a field that keeps all of this together and it interacts with the static and everything. And if there is a manipulation in that field at all, it alerts you that there's something interesting there. Does it mean a ghost? No, no, it doesn't. But it means that the possibility of something paranormal being there uh, is, is high, higher than it would be otherwise, because there is a base line for everything and we read the fluctuations from there. And if the theory holds true that spirits are made of energy, that ghosts have energy to them, uh, and they burn a little radiation in the atmosphere as they move around, we should be able to detect that with our EMF gauge. Uh, there's, of course, thermal, like we just uh, talked about, which sees uh, heat signatures, and of, co of course, uh, the lack of heat, which is, is cold, you know, cold signature, because heat in and of itself doesn't exist, only cold does. Um, so you are able to pick up those fluctuations with the thermal camera. We use laser grids. So if anything with mass moves in front of a laser grid, you'll be able to see it. Um, a lot of different pieces of equipment, LIDAR, which is a mix of sonar and laser, and it can 3D map a room, and then anything with mass that moves around in there, you'll see it. Now, it's possible that energy might not have mass to it, so you may be missing some things, but those are, uh, and of course, infrared, one of the most important pieces of equipment that we have, uh, infrared cameras, which is the night vision that you see. And that allows us to see things that we can see in the visible spectrum, but also things that we can see in the infrared spectrum. So that's a great tool to use. And a flashlight, so you don't hurt yourself. When you're talking about in you know uh, the things they use at night, uh, that made me think of any owner that has ever had a cat, including myself. Cats see the best at night, and it's the most <laughs> horrifying, annoying thing that you're just chilling in your house and your cat will just go. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God, what is this? So have you considered bringing cats into your show and just having them find the ghost for you? That would be awesome. Uh, if I could bring my cat with me, life would be so awesome. It would be a game changer for sure. Um, but cats, uh, no. <laughs> uh, we did have a dog with us for a little while. Uh, for about three or four seasons of our show, we, we had a, a dog with us for a while for a few different reasons. Her name was Maddie. She's beautiful. But she was really good at uh, first, you know, if there are animals around. Because sometimes if you're outdoors or if you're in a huge asylum and you have an experience, you do wonder, are those footsteps or, or like a raccoon trying, you know, the, and she would go right for it. And the thermal camera is also good for that. But she would pick up on energies. You know, dogs, it, that is a legitimate thing. It doesn't mean it's a ghost, but she will pause and, and really give a look around if her whiskers, if her body is feeling something funny. And, and uh, But she started showing some signs of stress, you know, uh, chewing on her back that, a little bit like that. And, and uh, the veterinarian, it was actually Jay, uh, it was Jay's dog, Maddie. And, uh, you know, we decided, he decided to take her off the road because 
you know, if the dog was having fun and, and enjoyed it like we she was, but I think just being on the road with this got to her a, a little bit. Um, but you're absolutely right. Animals, uh, they do have a tendency, I don't think, to see ghosts necessarily, but to pick up on energy because they use that to, to move around and get around. We all do. It's called our fight or flight. It's called a, a primal gaze detection. We have that. You know, that's how you know when somebody's walking up on you in a room. That's how you know somebody else is around because when we were, you know, back in the days when we were hunter, that sort of thing and, and, you know, killing for food, we had to make sure that there wasn't something sneaking up on us. Um, so that's known as the, the primal gaze detection in terms of medical, whatever you want to call it. But all of those things come in. Well, I think she sees it. She's sitting next to me. But I think I think she does because she's her eyes. I mean, her eyes in general are always like this. So she always looks like she can see into my future and it's not good. She'll look at me and she'll go, and you're like, oh, my God, what is it now? But then sometimes in the middle of the night, she'll just go. And like stare at it for five minutes and eventually I'm just like, okay, whatever. Then I hope this thing is paying rent yeah. if it's going to live here. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, if you can collect rent, you can get a few in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, your cat may be sensing something. You, you never know. I, I wouldn't discount it, but I certainly wouldn't put money on it either. <laughs> I, I have bought pretty vintage old mirrors before from like the 1600s and the 1500s because I've been curious with those things. I did try to play around with them but then I did get scared and sage them. But uh, at one point I was trying to mess around and like I took a mirror in front of me and then I, I, stood, in fr- I, uh, I stood in front of a mirror with my back to it and then I held the, the mirror from the 1600s. And I was like, okay, if there's <laughs> so stupid and dangerous if it's real. I was like, okay, if there's like, if there's something in this mirror, go ahead and do that because you're not supposed to do that with like a mirror in front of you, a mirror behind you because the energies can bounce around or something like that. And I did that. And then I even tried to do the Bloody Mary thing and I did all that. And I was like, what is wrong with me? And I saged it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't tempt fate if you're not ready to uh, face it. You know? <laughs> I agree. As long as you had fun, that's all. And it sounds like you did because you're laughing while telling a story. So that's all that matters. It's because I think growing up, uh, as I've gotten older, I have seen some things that I can't explain that I just put in the back of my head now. So I think that's why I still mess around with those things. Actually, uh, I've said this in a different episode, but I'll just randomly tell you. Well, I guess the episode has an air, but whatever. Um... When I, after my grandmother passed away, we had a very tight bond. One day when I was walking um, home, I was about to cross the street and I just put my foot down onto the road. And as I put my foot down, I heard my grandma's voice say, Violeta. And I turned around, as I turned around, put my foot back up. So my foot is in the air. And I looked to see who it was because it sounded like my grandma's voice, but it's obviously not her. And the minute, as I slowly put my foot up, there was a car that just decided to miss the black, the red light and just went, to the point that the uh, the speed was so fast that it, I, the air pushed me backwards from how fast the speed of the car was. And obviously there was no one there. No one called my name. Obviously not my grandma because she's gone. And I, I obviously can't explain that. But my life was saved in that moment because somebody that sounded like my grandma called my name. How can you explain that? You know, I, I don't think you can. Honestly, it's... It, even if it was, there is a phenomena that they call uh, telephonic or audiophonic sounds, right? But um, 
and that can just happen where maybe you would hear your grandmother's voice, but it would be absolutely impossible for it to save you, you know, because it wouldn't be aware of what's about to happen. It can't foresee a future event, you know, so maybe your grandmother was That's so there. That's interesting. Yeah, maybe your, your grandmother could have been there. Yeah, uh, Dr. William G. Roll, uh, he was sort of the pioneer of that sort of phenomena in, in but if you're interested, you can look that up. And I'm deaf in my left ear, so it's not like I could really hear much. So I really, like, I really had to be able to hear that because I just have one ear that I hear in. Wow, so, okay. I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, your grandmother might be sort of looking in on you, you know? You never know. Or maybe somebody is and used that voice because they knew it would get your attention. You know, you would recognize it. Who knows? I'd rather be your grandmother. I don't, I don't want to talk you out of that. No, I, I, think, I think it could be that. I think it's what you're saying. I think that as well. It was just somebody knew that that was the way to save me right now. It could have been. I do. Yeah. I believe that there's things looking over you and protecting you if you believe in it or if you're a nice person. I think when you believe things, you make them to be true. So regardless if there's paranormal things happening or something out there in the universe, if you don't believe it, then whatever. But if I walk around thinking that I'm a little bit lucky and that there's something kind of protecting me, so I'm always going to be okay, then I walk around creating that reality. So I don't know. I, I prefer to be this way. Absolutely. Like a self-manifesting protection almost. Uh, yeah, you should do that, of course. Yeah. From all the episodes that you've done on Ghost, Hunt, on Ghost Hunters, what's um one of your favorite, let's say, episode or moment or one of the mm -hmm. most craziest episodes, like the most memorable one that you have that you were like, what just happened, you guys? Oh, that's that's a great question. And I like that you didn't ask the scariest because the scariest is so easy. To, this is, you know, you're going to put a little more thought into this because what's awesome and interesting isn't always scary, you know, and vice versa. What's scary isn't always awesome and interesting. Thing, you know, um, but uh, I would say that there are a few places that that stick out. One would be uh, Waverly Hills in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, it's a tuberculosis asylum, uh, or excuse me, sanit sanatorium, uh, and uh, or is it a sanitarium? One is where people went to die, and one is where people went to get help. I've, Whichever one it is, but Waverly Hills in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, I think it was something like sixty thousand people died in a very short period of time. They had to build a, a death tunnel. They call it the death tunnel, a chute, to get all of the bodies out. Um, one because they wanted to keep the morale up, um, but two because that many people were dying that they needed a quick way to get them out. But uh, morale was a big part of it because can you imagine being somebody suffering from tuberculosis? And, and back then, the treatment was literally give them vitamins and put them outside in the sun. They thought sun would, which sun could actually help. There is some evidence to point towards that. But that's what they did. They would just sunbathe them. Um, and they didn't want them seeing all these dead bodies you know, going by them because imagine the depression and, and chaos it would cause. Um, but you got to think all that trauma and devastation in, in one place, uh, the frequency of activity there is incredibly high. Um, the severity of the activity can be quite extreme in terms of doors slamming on you and things running by you. Uh, Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, um, we actually, uh, that is a place where they didn't just have the insane or criminals, they, they housed the criminally insane. So it was all people who were there for criminal reasons, but also had maybe bereft, you know, in, in terms of uh, their ability to think straight. One quick story I'll tell you there, a gentleman gouged uh, his roommate's eyes out with his thumbs, 
right in the back, uh, and then dragged him under the bed and put his head under the bedpost and jumped up and down in the bed until his head popped, uh, and then just kept eating dinner until they, you know, the staff came in to check and saw this grisly pool of carnage you know it's like what happened and that's the kind of stuff that you're dealing with there you know and you can imagine that that is going to uh you know or if, i'd say if anything is going to leave an imprint or cause somebody to want to stick around it could be something like that wow yeah i definitely no matter how curious and fascinating with all these things i stay away from anything that brings negative energy like i would never i would be too scared to enter a place where there were people like that that may stick around. I don't seek negative type of energy. I would never touch um, a uh, Ouija board. I would never touch it. Even as a joke, when I've seen it at parties, I literally won't even put my hand on it just because I feel like sometimes, as, as like I said, I've seen things sometimes are real understanding what it is. So if I do attract those type of things, I don't even want to go near it. So I never touch those type of things. So that's really scary. I mean, nowadays it's, you know, it's the intention of what is is being done because you know Ouija boards are made by by Parker Brothers. You know, and it's not like it's just pressed cardboard. It's not like that. You know, holds any but the action of what you're doing, trying to communicate through a vessel. You know, is is what is is happening. So you could make your own. You could do it on a wall. You could do. It's just that communication. A Ouija board, and Ouija boards were originally invented as a, a dating tool, uh, very in the like the Victorian era, or maybe right before it, a way for couples what? to get together and spend time. Very interesting, right? They would try to communicate, and it was originally invented as a you know, a tool for romance. Uh, and then it became a, you know, a communication for the dead type of thing. It always was, but centered around coming together during the sort of what they call the, the spiritual, I think it was called the spiritual renaissance. Or, you know. What you're saying makes actually a lot of sense, not the, the dating part, but the fact that that it's just a tool. You're right, because it's more everyone sitting together because, again, it's... Uh, Okay, for example, you were talking about the hospital and more and more people kept getting sick. And I've read about the old days where uh, they used to do these tests on people where they faked executed them, but they had a bag over their head and they did the whole pro process that they're about to get executed. So when they finally lay down to get their head chopped, when they just tapped their head, uh, their neck with something, but not actually kill them and their whole body went out of out of commission and they die. Because their body their body shuts down on its own because that's how powerful the brain is. And that's why I always talk about how our thoughts really do matter. They create our reality. So it's kind of that makes me think the same thing. The Ouija board is not real. But if you think it's real, you really could accidentally attract something. Or you're already in a home where there's a, like uh, they were looking for a vessel. And that's where it comes from versus just the Ouija board itself. That's not the evil part. So that's really cool. I didn't think about that before. Yeah, what a great reference too with the, um, you know, that story. Uh, what a, uh, uh, like, it makes total sense, you know, that, that people almost like a, a, the strongest placebo effect you could ever imagine, you know, like, your body literally dies because you think you've been psychologically tormented into thinking you're going to die. Uh, how fascinating. Wow. It's so fascinating. My dad just got me the book on that. And even the same thing with uh, the old days of witches, when a witch would curse you and she would tell you you're going to die. And then that week you, uh, you would die. And that's how they believed in witches. When in reality, you start walking around creating that reality, thinking you're going to die. And then either you put yourself in a situation where you died or, again, your body went out of commission. The brain is, is uh, 
scary and complicated and, and fascinating and oof. I just try to seek because uh, you know since you have all your equipment and you try to seek lots things through logic it's kind of the same thing that's why i read all these things especially because i have such a um curious mind i try to then put logic behind it so then i don't accidentally go a little too far removed myself from reality with my thoughts <laughs> no it seems like you have a good mix of the both you know willing to explore and be open to things but not enough that you're going to fool yourself you know that, that i think that's important how do you feel about untrained professionals or let's say fans, for lack of better terms, going on their own ghost hunting trips and the dangers of it. For example, me as a six-year-old going into a home with crackheads. How do you feel about people doing that? <laughs> you know, you do have to be careful. I think um, if they are keeping safety of themselves, safety for themselves, and of course, safety of other people, that's all you know, maybe even more important because you don't want to hurt anybody else uh, or, you know, have somebody go, because we end up in places where you can fall through roofs. You can, I mean, literally you can, there's so many ways that you can get severely hurt and it, it happens. It, a lot of us have been injured. We've had uh, camera guys break legs, blow out knees. You know, we had one woman fall down stairs and, and busted her head. She had to leave. Well, at least she was alive. Well, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so you do have to be careful. Uh, but uh, that being said, uh, I think if, if uh, we use amateur for lack of a, a better term, amateur or, or, you know, beginners or even just enthusiasts, if they're just going to have fun and they're not trying to service a client in regards of, you know, giving them a real investigation, um, then, you know, they should be able to go and have fun. And there's a lot of places that can do that, you know, where you can go to a lot of these places and go on a tour or spend the night if you want. And those are places where they can't do it on their own and have a lot of fun. I don't think if, if they don't have a you know, the ability to really help other people with their paranormal, uh, I guess, problems would be the term to use, then they shouldn't be doing it in that regard. You shouldn't, because I have people say, oh, I just started and I'm going to someone's house to do an investigation next week. What should I do? And I was like, probably not go. Like, what do you mean? If you're asking me, like, <laughs> you gotta, you know, get yourself together first. <laughs> like, that's a, it, no offense to them, but if you're going to, you know, do a real investigation, help people, uh, don't just, you know, jump right into it, really get yourself. But if you just want to have fun and, you know, see if you can experience something, then yeah, you should and, and absolutely do it. Do you have some tips for beginners who are going in just to have fun? Like, let's say wear knee pads in case you break your leg, like your camera guy, a helmet in case you fall on your head and break, crack your skull. So safety tips. Yeah, I do have some safety tips. Um, you could wear a helmet. If you do, I'd wear one with a lamp in the front. So like a miner's helmet so you can see. Um, but uh, I don't think you need to go uh, as, as far. Until we have the Paranormal X games or something, then maybe you'll want to. Uh, but for now, you know, flashlight, of course, would be your safety. Always have a flashlight because you do need to see. Likely it's going to be dark. But some actual tips, you know, don't think everything uh, that you're experiencing is paranormal or a ghost because honestly, 90% of the time it's not. Don't be afraid to try to really figure it out. And, you know, one of the biggest sort of uh, 
tools, uh, methods, techniques that, that we use is called report building, you know, where uh, you are building a rapport. You're not just going in and saying, who are you? Why are you here? Talk to me. Show yourself. You know, uh, this is a jail. <laughs> you know, you're actually trying to build a rapport uh, like they were a living person. And we do find that, uh, you know, you um, do have a lot more uh, activity. Say I was haunting this hotel room, right? And somebody comes in here and says, who are you? Show yourself. You know, I may just be like, who's this? You know, what do you, what do you mean? Show, uh, what are you talking about? But if he came in and said, hey, uh, what do you think about, you know, uh, the movie Ghostbusters or, or how's just things that, you know, uh, you know, I play video games, maybe start talking about things that they knew I was interested in or what I did for work. You know, hey, we know you were a paranormal investigator. What was your, you know, you're actually trying, because I'd be like, oh, you know, and we don't know what it's like. They may be surrounded by noise. We don't, who knows? So using things that we think could be a trigger uh, is, is quite valuable. They may latch onto that. Now, if it's a residual type of haunting, it won't know what you're saying. It won't even care, you know, so, but just in case, that's important. And also, if it disobeys the laws of science, uh, you're misinterpreting the experience, right? So there are a lot of things that would disobey the laws of science. But if something is happening here in the physical world, and our eyes can see it, then it has to obey the laws of science as we understand it right now. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, Earth cannot create its own charge. So the theory of, you know, water being able to work as a, you know, conduit for paranormal activity is uh, not something that is a legitimate theory. Now, water can conduct because it's a great conductor of energy. So if there's energy already there, it can conduct it. So, you know, things that uh, will help you understand what could and what couldn't be happening in the real world will uh, definitely help you go up oh, that's nothing you know that's simply just a, a very quick for instance you would when it comes to shadow phenomena if you understand a little bit of, of science just a little little bit uh, you would know that in order for a shadow to be there something has to be obstructing the light so if something's obstructing the light enough there has to be enough mass there for your eyes to be able to see what's obstructing the light but if you don't know anything about science you wouldn't know that and you may just think that that shadow on the wall is a ghost, you know, when clearly it's just a shadow. So th those types of things, and that's really, you know, getting in deep, but I think a basic understanding like that is, is pretty valuable for, for beginners. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's gonna be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. That makes a lot of sense. But if, let's say, your friend starts levitating up in the air, you should probably go home. You should probably call it a night, yeah, uh, and call the exorcist for sure. Yeah. Like, or call yeah. me. I'll, I, I know a few. I'll, I'll get you in touch with somebody. Uh, yeah, get out of the house, get wherever you are. If you start levitating, <laughs> unless you want to fly, I mean, a lot of people would think that's pretty fun. Have you ever had an experience where everything was going fine, and then suddenly there was just some feeling like, okay, you know what, it's time to go. We need to go. We need to get out of here. Something's wrong or something's off. 
I don't, we shouldn't continue or no? Kind of like your cemetery experience when you were younger. Yes, but uh, we, we may think that, but we always do uh, continue because uh, we do have people we're answering to. You know, we're there for a reason. And if we give up, then how are they going to feel? You know, if we can't face it, then how are we going to, you know, educate them how to face it, that sort of thing. And so we always go towards the source. We always figure it out. We may, you know, implement a technique or something that, you know, will allow us to go back the next day and continue where maybe it's, you know, going to sort of switch gears in a way, that sort of thing. Or maybe it's getting really intense and we may decide to, you know, let's see what happens tomorrow or let's switch gears and get a different team in there, you, you know, uh, not paranormal team, but a different group of investigators from our team who, you know, may get a different sort of reaction from what's happening in there. And sometimes, quite honestly, we call in backup. We, we call for help sometimes. You know, we'll, we'll call upon uh, clergy members. We'll, we'll call upon different people that are expertises where we may not know as much as we should to handle it. Um, but we always try to stay there and do it. There are places that I'll never, uh, like for instance, there's a place called the Gemini uh, in New Orleans where it was a, a terrible, terrible hate crime uh, where they threw a Molotov cocktail in and killed some, some gay gentlemen. Um, and that's not a hate that I understand. And it, it was, you know, I cry sometimes thinking about it. We all do. Like you don't want to be, you know, and just being there and it sticks with you. I still wake up thinking about it. And that's, you know, that's the sort of thing where uh, it gets a little bit different and a little precarious and, and maybe wouldn't want to continue because, you know, for a, a, a two months, I felt like I should, you know, light myself on fire just for being there. Like it was really just a terrible thing you wanted to just cleanse yourself of and completely forget about. It was awful. But to, th those are the types of things that, uh, but other than that, it will, we'll face just about anything. So then what was then your scariest experience if since, unless it was the, the place in Louisville, Kentucky, because that was your favorite, one of your favorite episodes, which by the way, I'm going to Louisville next year. So now I'm excited to go visit that place. Oh yeah, you should definitely. Uh, yeah. Go on a tour of it because even historically it, it's, uh, and uh, it's beautiful. You know, if you can find some beauty in decay, uh, it's it's a gorgeous sight to, to behold. They all are, you know, Trans-Allegheny, it's the old, like, I think it's a Kirkbride, I think it's called, architecture, very, uh, it's just beautiful. But uh, scariest, you know, the, the scariest, um, for me, it's when things happen that are unpredictable and it, it just happens out of nowhere. That That's what scares me. You know, I recently had a, a door slam in my face and uh, that, that scared me. I, I won't lie, it did. Uh, I was like, what? I, I didn't know, you know, really what to do. But I then went towards it to, to figure it out. Uh, I was using a, a LiDAR system recently and uh, this was on a, an upcoming episode of uh, ghost hunters my buddy uh, tango i was investigating with uh, we saw on the lidar something approach us and we were having uh, some of our other sensors go off and all of a sudden this is similar to what you said that you would uh, i think it was you had experienced it or, or somebody did but um and then all of a sudden on the lidar we see something uh, rush us as we are talking to it and we felt that concussive force of it you know sort of like that air knocking you back a little bit and we were startled and it was definitely scary you know there was something there that charged us um, but we sort of you know didn't know what to do we, we giggled a little bit and got a little scared and then decided to 
get back in there and, and confront it. Um, but those are the things that scare me, the, the unpredictable where you don't know when or what's going to happen. Because I think if you knew that the phenomena is going to happen in the corner at 5 p.m. every day and that's where it's going to stay, I think just about anybody would want to peek and take a look at it and, you know, it's just that it can happen anywhere at any time, I think, is the most frightening for people. Well, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it didn't feel friendly. Like, it felt there was something – it was scary. Like, I – because I, I – I grew up watching uh, – my favorite movie is Freddy Krueger movies. And, like, till this day, when I, when I try to calm myself down, I'll start singing the song, one, two, he's coming for – just to, like – chill out if I'm stressed out just to chill out <laughs> what a great chill out yeah, song <laughs> so then for me as a child to see something and instead of wanting to walk towards it the girl who goes into abandoned homes to just feel like just there's something's off and then to run away it meant I still think there was something off like something was there sure like I believe it it happened your body has a, a baseline it knows what is Normally, it is experiencing on an everyday basis and when it, something deviates from that. And so your body knows, like, hey, that's nothing I've ever experienced before. So something is, is weird here. Your body does know. And I think there's a lot of ways where logic and just science can explain a lot of things that, that people consider as psychic abilities, like even having intuition, knowing when something's wrong, like you feel in your stomach, those are, you could, you would say psychic abilities, but they're not. It's just your body telling you like something's off here. Like, don't, don't go there. Like, don't talk to this person. Like your body will feel things. It knows. I agree. Absolutely. For sure. A few last questions that I'm curious about. Um, you know, being that I'm in LA, apparently there was this thing about the Hollywood sign being quote unquote haunted. Is that true? I've heard that actually by myself. I, I, I've heard that, and uh, we've uh, filmed a few episodes in uh, Los Angeles, and uh, we were just there a few weeks ago. I tell you what, we didn't investigate that, but I have heard that there was a, a gentleman who uh, took his own life next to the sign there. He, he took his own life um, up there somewhere, and he's supposedly seen over there. And I think I may be mixing this up, with, but I'm almost positive there was somebody, not when they were building the sign, but when they uh, had it uh, restored and, and brought back up to its glory, who, who may have had an accident there. Um, but I don't know much of the other hauntings that surround the sign, but I have heard it. It's in a few books and, and in some literature. Yeah. So are hauntings always based on people dying violently? Or can it just be, because since we talked about so good and bad, can it just be just someone them passing away, not violent, violently, just passing away? And all the hauntings always involve somebody dying then in that area? Like you, somebody had to die there in order to have a haunting? Unless someone brings an item into the home. That can happen, yeah. Go on. Um, but <laughs> it, it can be uh, both sides of it. it. It can be death, trauma, tragedy, all, all of that. Um, we even, you know, it can be jealousy. It can really be some dark emotions, but also, you know, devotion. If somebody was devoted to their life, uh, to their wife or, or their husband, say, or devoted to their children so much they loved them, or maybe built this item for their, you know, spouse or, or their their you know, by hand, all of those things that devotion and love can also uh, cause a, a haunting. But uh, uh, to make it even a little more complicated, you don't even have to have a death 
myth, you know, to have a haunting. We see hauntings of uh, people that are still alive. So uh, that can happen as well. There's the doppelganger type of phenomena where it's a mimic of somebody who is still alive. But we also have residual types of hauntings where action, that emotion, that moment in time is trapped and played back, a residual type of haunting. So it just takes that strong, you know, uh, moment in life uh, to create a haunting. And, and that can happen uh, at any time, you know. And the more I, I talk to physicists and, and geophysicists, it does seem that there are large rock deposits and, and mineral deposits that can hold energy. Uh, scientists have, have sent uh, frequencies into the side of mountains and retrieved those frequencies at, at later dates. Um, so there is the possibility that a moment of time is going to be, I guess for lack of better terms, um, impressed into the in environment, left an impression, wow. uh, and that person could still be alive. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to have a, a death to have a haunting. Um, having all of that historical information may help you communicate and, and maybe, you know, it does seem that death and that sort of thing is a huge factor in most hauntings, but I don't think it, it has to be part of it. That's really cool piece of information to know. That's so interesting how important energy is that it's just a strong, so it can be if there was a home where there was a lot of violence happening and a very angry man lived there. And now he goes to the retirement home He's staying there and whoever buys the home afterwards, they can't even live there because like you said, there's probably like some, some specific moment that was so violent that stayed in that home that just keeps reoccurring and replaying itself. Yep, absolutely. That's and, really cool. And you're absolutely right. It is very important because everything in the universe, everything that we know in the universe is measured by only three things and that's energy frequency and vibrations that's what everything is is made out of so energy is one-third of everything that you can see in this universe um, so it is very very important that so interesting because hello when you get when you buy a new home or uh you sage the house or you you buy people uh home gifts like blessings and a lot of times it's these candles so like because i remember my sister and her husband bought a home they bought it from a divorce couple so i remember i bought them a few candles to remove that energy so they didn't have the same energy and it's not me i didn't understand the things that i was doing yet but it was just like it just made sense but it does make sense. Like energy really can stay in the home regardless if the people never pass away. Sure. Absolutely. Yep. A lot of people were curious and wanted me to ask if ghosts can travel from place to place, but I'm going to go with a yes because you said they can attach to vessels and to items and things like that, right? Yeah, it does seem uh, that uh, there can be some uh, travel there. But, you know, I'm I, to be honest, to answer it as honestly as I, I can, I don't know if there is a free thought type of travel where say I'm haunting this room I'm in here and I want to go, you know, to, uh, you know, to Rhode Island to visit someplace. And, you know, I don't know if that's something that can happen. It does seem that there needs to be uh, an attachment of some kind, maybe to an item uh, or to a person to, to get that. Um, but we do see evidence that, you know, uh, People have visited places that they didn't necessarily die, you know, because we'll see that somebody died in a hospital, you know, uh, an hour away, but they're still visiting the home that they lived in, that sort of thing. If ghosts can attach 
to things and to someone like you just said. Does that mean are you and your crew ever scared that when you enter a home or place, they can accidentally attach to one of you? Everybody has a sort of a different view on that, quite honestly. Even within our team, a lot of people feel differently about that. And that's okay. You know, we all come together and then come to an agreement and, uh, you know, that's what it's, it's all about. But um, personally, I have no fear of that whatsoever. Um, I know my, my, my buddy Tango, I know Jason, uh, none of us fear that sort of thing. Uh, and I think that comes with, you know, I've been doing this for so long, I've never had. Uh, maybe I'm just not that interesting. <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, you have to be a really interesting person for somebody like, I'm going to follow this guy for the rest of my life. You know? Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, so, uh, but I also have a tremendous amount of things in my home that I would think, uh, would be haunted, you know, a, a memorial, uh, you know, Victorian era mourning wreaths made from people's hair and their dress and, you know, skeletons, skulls, objects from haunted places. You know, there have been a few items that I've had to have that have been on our show. Like, for instance, we have a show, Ghost Nation, also on Travel Channel and, and uh, Discovery Plus. Uh, and I had an interaction with a, a, a Civil War sword. Um, a sword that was used by a soldier in the Civil War and, and uh, there was a haunting surrounding it and we had some phenomena so I had to have it I, I bought it you know and took it home um, but nothing you know nothing in, in my house uh, but then again maybe it'll come because we don't know what their interpretation of time and space is you know what seems like 10 years to me in my house maybe is nothing to them maybe it's to come I'm not sure interesting so it may not be haunted now but it may actually still be attached to it and eventually show itself Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? That could happen. Absolutely. Um, but there are a lot of investigators who I love and trust dearly who, who tell me that things have followed them home and that they deal with it. So it, it could be a, a legitimate phenomena. And I'm just, you know, but, but I value sleep, you know, and, and uh, I don't want it at my house. When, when you're dealing with a haunted house, you have a hard time with sleep patterns. You have a hard time maintaining relationships. You have a hard time maintaining a, a, a fruitful career. It really affects a lot of aspects of your life. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to not be in a haunted house. I like visiting it, but I also like to sleep. Can you have a friendly ghost then? So then you're just, you know just hanging out it just it just lives there it's nice it doesn't bother you it just lives its own life if i knew that could happen like if that was we could have that conversation beforehand yeah all day like okay. i think it'd be awesome it'd be super fun um and i would like to think that there is something in, in my house and and i'm you know glad it's not bothering me but i think if it got to the point where i was waking up all the time in the middle of the night or I was afraid to go upstairs or whatever. I, I wouldn't like that. You know? But also, as you just said, like that, I'm not an interesting person. So all that, I feel like we've ghosts attached themselves to someone. I wouldn't say it's because they're interesting. If I was a ghost, I would attach myself to someone and more like, oh my God, this person looks like my father or like my brother. And I feel at home with that. And then I would attach myself to them. But, uh, I'm just a writer. So no, that's actually a great perspective. Uh, yeah, that, that makes total sense. Like it may be a, a memory thing, like the the mannerisms, maybe how I talk, or or could, you know, really uh, make something be like, hey, uh, you know, this is home for me. Especially because, like I said, my reasoning and thought behind it was that potentially ghosts sometimes stick around because they're confused and they need to go to the other side, but they don't know how because they don't know what happened to them. So if they're confused, they accidentally attach themselves to you because they think. They know you because you look because it's confusion is blurry. You look like my brother. I'm going to attach myself to you because I have no idea what's happening. 
that's a great theory and very well could could be something that happens absolutely yeah no that's uh, that makes complete sense you've thought about I think this, about so. a lot of these things <laughs> yeah see yeah <laughs> <laughs> you have it's it's a quite nice I have a very curious mind <laughs> that's good uh, your questions are all very uh, thought out and, and very well uh, informed you said in an interview in the with the Miami New Times that you experience the, the your experience with the paranormal activity has actually reaffirmed your religious beliefs. Can you kind of elaborate on that really quick? Yeah, it, it actually has. Being somebody who is into a lot of things in life that that may be against certain religions, and I just mean my musical preferences and, and maybe things that I watch. You know, all I watch is horror movies, that, that sort of thing. I do love Disney, but you know, horror. Yeah, uh, you know, and and, and but. What I do and what I've seen, and I have seen, you know, the power of love work on cases and that sort of thing. And it has. It has made me, I think, a stronger Catholic and more in love with what everybody's interpretation of a God might be. I don't want to disrespect anybody. For me, it would be Christ and God, you know. But whoever anybody's religious belief is, you know, whatever anybody, you know, it, it the, the afterlife, the paranormal, anything, it should reaffirm it. You know, I have a lot of Catholics uh, sort of tell me like, uh, you know, that, that could never happen. This is, it's, uh, how about, you know, how could you believe in that garbage? It's like, well, uh, what do you mean? What, what's the Holy Ghost? You know, Mr. Religion, what's, what's the, you know, what's the Holy Spirit? What is the resurrection? It's all paranormal. It's all, how do you explain that? Explain that to me then. You know, and they'll just look at you with a, a bit of a raised eyebrow. But, um, I think whatever your religion is, it, it should uh, reaffirm it. And even if you're not religious, maybe it's going to do the opposite for you. That's okay, too. Uh, it really is. Everybody has their own path. But then I guess it does make sense why you view it more from a science and logical perspective versus saying, because if you... Because if it reaffirmed your religious beliefs, a lot of people, a lot of anyone that's really religious looks down on manifesting and anything that's witchcraft, whether it's white magic or black magic. So it does make sense since you have your strong beliefs and you still do what you do, which is paranormal, you stick to the things that you can actually explain and see. Sure. Absolutely. So I get that. That makes sense. I understand that. I will say all the movies I've watched with exorcism has, has always has to do with Catholics, Christians, and all that. I, as a Jewish person, I've never really seen one with that. So I was wondering, does that mean then... Okay, this is such a stupid question. It's not important in my interview. But I, that, that confuses me because all the exorcism is always Catholics or Christians. Does that mean that I, my family can't get... Possessed because because usually then they bring um, holy water or um, a cross. You know, that's what helps in the movies. So I was just like, oh, cool. Thank for once. Thank God I'm a Jewish because can't, <laughs> you know, don't need that. I mean, it could be that. It, I mean, it really could because there is a theory among a lot of demonologists that in order for an actual demonic type of attack um, that your religion, you know, needs to be quite or needs to be compromised and not quite as strong as, you know, it should be. And maybe it's that the and I could be wrong, but I have a feeling at least it seems from, you know, Jewish people that I know that their religion is very sacred to them and very strong and very in their heart and very it's it's 
always thought about. It's always it's part of their life. Uh, so maybe they're just a little stronger and, and uh, maybe a little more unpenetrable. You know, that, that could be one of the reasons. I'm making that up. I'm not sure. No, that that is interesting. If you did get possessed somehow, uh, you know, the Catholic and, and Christian church would, would come to your rescue, if so you, you wanted. With holy water and a, and a cross and it would work? I, I think it would. Yeah, sure. Of course. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a clergyman, but... Okay. Let's test it out. <laughs> <laughs> the power of it! No, no, no. <laughs> I do think it would just... I think it would work, it, it, you know, because if the Lord, and, and I think all gods, no matter what religion, you know, is mostly all forgiving, that sort of thing. So, you know, if that were is, is my... Is, is God or, or, you know, going to not want to help and protect you because you're a different religion? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I'd hope. Yeah, that's silly. I agree. Well, thank God you were going you were going that route because when you said, uh, you, when you say, you know, the demons, when they come, they usually come for someone that it's like their belief becomes a little weaker and Jewish people believe strongly. Thank God that's where you're going because for a second when you started talking about demons, I was just like, is this person about to say the Jews are like demons? And that's why <laughs> no, we, oh my God. it's already Goodness. for us. And I was like, I'm like, where are we going with this all? Thank God. You, you never know because there's so many things right now yeah. on Twitter and no, on the internet. No, I was like... <laughs> No. Like, I, oh, okay, cool. So I just feel like a lot of Christians and Catholics let the religion escape their brain, maybe more so than, than some Jewish folks, uh, you know, and that may make them a little more headstrong. Speaking of then the, the, the cross and the holy water, do you, do, does anyone in your crew carry those things or even a, um, a rosary? Is that something you guys carry with you? You know, there are paranormal investigators that, that do. Um, I don't. I don't know personally that any that I work with that carry any of those things. Uh, Jason on our team always says, you know, if you, uh, it's just a, a quote that he says quite often. That does make sense in that, you know, if you put all of your faith into this cross or this rosary, and you know, what if you forget it at home? You know, what if it's, you know, now you you're vul- now you feel vulnerable. Now you. You know, uh, so I, I think that the, the safety should come from within you. You know, can those things help? Uh, sure, if you have faith in them and you want, and, and is it going to make you feel better and give you more confidence in that, you know, arena of uneasiness? Yeah, for sure. So is it valuable? I think so. But to put all of your faith into that as something you need to have, uh, I think you'd be doing yourself a, a disservice. Um, as with all of those sort of types of, of things, you know, sage, all of that, use it. It may make feel better, all of that. And it may actually work. I'm not sure. But you're creating your reality, so it could. But I agree with you because then when you forget it at home, you, you do feel vulnerable with it and you may create a reality that something bad is going to happen. And then it does. And it confirms your beliefs. Exactly right. So uh, should you have the sage with you? And if it works and helps you, yes. But should you put all of your like that is going to, what's going to protect me. No. What if you run out? <laughs> what, if you, what if the store is closed? Or what if, I don't know, what if you can't get there? You're going to run into some, some troubles, you know, and then you got to think of the other side of it. Like, what does it do? You know, is a spirit walking around going, I smell sage. I better get out of here. You know, I'm not sure. I, I don't know how that works. You know, so if you do have a mechanism of how it works and you can visualize that, I think it's a very strong tool for, for people. I'm Middle Eastern, so I wear a hamsa and an evil eye at all times. Oh. And hmm. I, 
I have freaked out when I forgot my evil eye at home because you're right, I attached too much faith into it that I literally was like, oh no, I'm going to have a bad day because I forgot this at home. Sure. So that's also silly in itself. And you might have a bad day because little things that may not have bothered you so much may trigger you and you'll be like, oh, this happened to me today because I forgot my evil eye, you know, or, or whatever. Uh, whereas if you had your evil eye on you, you may not pick all those nuanced type of sort of like if you're looking for say a, a I'm going to make up a, a something if you're looking for a, a Tesla you know all of a sudden you see them all over the place or maybe you didn't quite notice them as much before yes yes oh I love I love that you're mentioning that I, I talk about that a lot in my podcast that's just your mind it's your mind will try to prove something to be true so if I tell you all I keep seeing are red Teslas outside and you're like, I never see red Teslas, you'll go outside that day and all you will see are red Teslas because now your mind is trying to prove that fact. And same thing if you're thinking no one loves me, you will revisit memories in your past and you will start having new memories where no one loved you in those moments. It's wild. Agreed. Uh, the brain plays nasty tricks on you. It really does. Where can people find you? I am on, of course, all of the social medias, uh, Instagram, Steve Gonsalves Official, and uh, Travel Channel, Discovery Plus, uh, and the Atlantic Paranormal Society. And do you mind plugging your shows right now? So where can people find all of your shows? And we'll have it in the description as well. Thank you. Uh, Ghost Hunters is on Travel Channel, uh, and you can stream on Discovery+. Plus. Ghost Nation is on Travel Channel, Discovery+. Plus. I have a documentary series called The House in Between. And that's everywhere you watch movies. Amazing. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and doing this interview. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed our, our chat. Thank you.